Welcome to Making Your Impact, a podcast to inspire and equip you to pursue your calling and make your positive impact on the world. I'm your host, Melissa Ike. I have a passion for making an impact, and I also have a passion for helping you make yours. So let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to Making Your Impact for episode 10. I'm so glad that you are here. For those of you who don't know me, I am your host, Melissa Ike. I am a nonprofit co-founder and a director, an anti-human trafficking activist, attorney, speaker, and writer. You can learn more about me at melissaike.com. That's melissaeik.com. On today's episode, I will be sharing a resource with you that has seriously seriously helped me on my journey toward making my impact. And I believe it will help equip you on the way to making yours. I'm pretty excited to share about this with you. But first, as always, it's time for an Instagram shout out. This week's shout out goes to Shayla Raquel. Full disclosure, uh, Shayla is one of my close pals through the Yukon Writer Society. I will say that she and that group have influenced my life in such positive ways in the last year or so. I suggest that you give Shayla a follow on Instagram and Twitter, especially if you are someone who loves reading and or writing, or if you're someone who just likes photos of some of the cutest dogs I've ever seen. I'm not joking. They're very photogenic and funny. Anyway, her handle on both is at Shayla Lee Raquel. That's R-A-Q-U-E-L or Raquel with no C as she puts it. You will actually be hearing from Shayla on this podcast very soon. There's some foreshadowing for you. If you head over to the podcast Instagram at Making Your Impact and click that follow button, I may just give you a shout out on the show as well. Real quick before we jump into the main part of the episode, I wanted to let you know a big announcement, and that is that I have started a Patreon page. And if you are interested in this content, if this is helping you, you would like to hear, see, read more from me, and you find that encouraging, then you can join Team Impact. That's what I'm calling all of you amazing people who are seeking to make an impact in the world um, by visiting my Patreon page and searching for Melissa Ike, E-I-C-K. There are different tiers that you can join at a pretty low cost per month, and they each come with, if I do say so myself, some pretty fun benefits depending on the level. So thank you so much. You can check that out. I'll put a link to it in the episode description. All right, so let's get into our topic for the day. Today, we will be discussing a book by Gretchen Rubin called The Four Tendencies. I will share a bit about the book with you, kind of tell you a little bit about it, how it has changed my life, which I know sounds dramatic, but it is 100% true. And then three ways that I think could help you on your way toward making your impact. I was reflecting on how I found out about Gretchen Rubin, and I realized it was quite the journey that I had finding my way to her message. I actually first heard about her a few years ago when I was still living in Tulsa. I would get together regularly with my friend Kathy, who is just always ahead of the curve on resources for personal growth and working toward goals. And she introduced me to Gretchen's Four Tendencies framework in summer 2015. We were hanging out at a Panera one day and Kathy drew out the little four leaf clover sort of type diagram for me uh, that you can find if you, um, I'll put it on our Instagram actually. Um, and it has all the tendencies and she just briefly like went through them. She guessed my tendency that day, but I didn't know what it meant. I was like, all right. I just took her word for it. But, uh, but several years later, I would come to find out that she was right. 
she totally had me pegged. But frankly, I just sort of forgot about it. After that, I moved shortly thereafter to the Oklahoma City area, and it was a couple years later that I crossed paths with Gretchen again. I happened upon her podcast. I don't remember how. It probably got suggested to me, but it's called Happier with Gretchen Rubin. And I remember I was spending the afternoon decorating Dragonfly for Christmas in December 2017. And I guess I found the podcast that morning and I listened to it all day. I found episodes about each of the tendencies and I listened for hours. And then I don't know what happened if I got distracted by the holidays, but it was like one and done. I didn't get back to the podcast right away. Uh, and it was then, then it was just a few months later, though, I guess, in April or so of 2018, I started following a YouTuber named Amy Landino, who I will definitely be telling you about in future episodes, but you can look her up on YouTube if you want. She is a true Gretchen Rubin super fan. Someone referred to me as a super fan the other day, and I was like, oh, no. No, there are greater fans of Gretchen Rubin than I. And Amy Landino is one of them. She actually interviewed Gretchen recently. Anyway, so Amy would refer to the four tendency framework pretty frequently when I was watching her videos over those next few months. And so then finally, in December 2018, I picked up the podcast again. And then I just, I don't know what it was. I'm a person of faith, so I think it could have been a God thing. Um, but this time it just clicked somehow in me. I I just couldn't stop listening. I was totally hooked. So then all throughout the month and the holidays, I kept listening. Also conveniently, if that's the word for it, I generally drive from Oklahoma City to Des Moines, Iowa twice during the month of December because of certain family traditions, which means I drive over 2,200 miles and spend about 32 hours in the car just going from Oklahoma City to Des Moines during the month of December. And that is a prime time to catch up on podcasts and listen to audiobooks. And I just, I remember I was driving back to Oklahoma City one of the times and I could not get enough of the back episodes of the Happier Podcast. So when my next monthly Audible credit kicked in on December 20th, I used it to get the four tendencies. And then, you know, if you have Audible, you know how they will offer listeners the chance to purchase three credits at once at a discounted price so they don't have to wait a month to get additional audiobooks. Well, they made me that offer and I could not refuse. I took them up on it. And so by January 11th, 10 days before my next credit came around, I had three more Gretchen Rubin audiobooks, Better Than Before and then her Two Happiness Project books. And I'm being completely honest when I say that woman's steady, reasonable voice was in my ear for like three months straight which I feel like sounds creepy, but in this day and age, it really isn't, right? We're consuming content at rapid rates. Anyway, I hope not because it's true. And the thing is that it really, it really changed my perspective. Uh, I was thinking about this as a former um, language teacher. You know how when you're immersed in a language, your brain can't help but start to pick it up and then process it and then start producing output in that language, even when you're not trying. I felt like that's what this was for me. I was so immersed in this new language of the four tendencies that before long, I just started producing a different kind of output in my life. I like to think that I became fluent in Gretchenese and I speak it to a lot of people all the time. And I'm being 100% serious when I say that within a few months, my life looked legitimately different. So I should, I realize now I should give you a little bit of background. I've said the name Gretchen Rubin like 25 times so far. Okay, so here's a little bit about her. Um, Gretchen Rubin is a former lawyer who discovered that her true passion 
actually lied in writing and studying human nature and studying happiness. So on a personal level, I'll say that it's been helpful for me to relate to her like so similarly in that way. But I think a lot of us can relate to maybe being stuck somewhere and realizing that our passion actually is something else. Anyway, so Gretchen started writing and she started doing these sort of personal experiments to make her life happier. And so she was writing about that and then she wrote a book about it. And then the four tendencies just kind of grew naturally out of that. Um, just getting to know a lot of different people and studying what makes people happy. And I got to say, like, I find that so inspiring in the context of all of us working to make our impact. She just decided to pursue what interested her, thinking about happiness and how to grow in that area. And then that led to another idea, which became the four tendencies. And then that led to another idea, which was different strategies that people within each tendency can use to make their lives happier, more productive. She just kept taking steps in the direction of her passion. And, you know, she could not have ever predicted where all of it would take her. But now it's become this thing that has impacted like literally millions of people. Uh, and I think that is, if that is not a model for those of us who want to begin taking steps toward our calling and, and use our lives to make an impact, I don't know what is. So I'm going to give you just a brief overview of the four tendencies. Obviously, for a more comprehensive explanation, you should read or listen to the book. Uh, Gretchen gives a bunch of examples and great stories from people who wrote to her about their experience with their own tendency in life. Uh, but so when Gretchen is talking about our tendencies, she's specifically referring to our tendency to meet inner and outer expectations. She defines inner expectations as those things that we set for ourselves purely out of our own initiation. So that might look like setting and keeping a goal or a resolution. And then outer expectations are the things that others place on us, maybe like at work or school or some kind of activity. The four different tendencies that Gretchen identifies in her book are upholders. And this is, I'm reading from her book right now, upholders who respond readily to both outer and inner expectations, questioners who question all expectations. They meet an expectation only if they believe it's justified. So in effect, they respond only to inner expectations. Like they take an outer expectation and if it makes sense to them, they adopt it as an inner expectation. Uh, the next one is obligers who readily respond to outer expectations from other people, but struggle to meet inner expectations. And rebels who resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. Of course, and, and she mentions this, we can, we can all experience aspects of each tendency. And I was thinking about this. I uh, looked up the definition of tendency in Merriam-Webster online because of course I did. And I was like, this is interesting. So a tendency is an inclination to a particular kind of thought or action being prone to approach something in a particular way. So I like that because a tendency is not set in stone. It means that we could very well think or act in a different way sometimes, but that most of the time we'll probably take a particular approach pretty consistently. And maybe you're someone who doesn't like feeling like you're being pigeonholed. And I guess I got to say, hey, if you if you're thinking that and you have no trouble achieving your goals with minimal frustration, you have strategies that consistently work for you, then, yeah, you might have all of this 
figure it out. More power to you. But if you're if you're like, ah, I don't like being pigeonholed or I don't like being fit into some kind of framework, but you are also frustrated with goals that you don't meet. Maybe sometimes you wonder why you behave in a certain way or don't seem to be able to make yourself act in a different way that you want. Maybe if you've experienced strategies that other people swear by, but they never work for you, then maybe the four tendencies framework could be beneficial to you. So keep listening. You never know. Also, I will say the four tendencies framework helps us to understand other people as well. So if you're like, this doesn't apply to me, maybe it'll help you figure out some of the people who you're around in daily life. So I've given a lot of preamble. Now I'm going to actually get into it and then I shall reveal to you my own tendency. Just going to give you a brief overview. If you want a comprehensive view of the book, you know, you can read it or listen to it yourselves. Okay, so starting out, Gretchen has sections for each of the tendencies, and she divides each, each section into a chapter about characteristics for understanding the tendency, and then a section about dealing with the tendency from the perspective of others being a part of the tendency. And within the section about uh, dealing with the people in the, the different tendencies, she specifically references dealing with them at work as a significant other, as a child, if you have a child in that tendency, if you are a medical practitioner and have a health client from that tendency. And then also she gives characteristics of different careers that each tendency might be drawn to. Not necessarily like specific examples of careers, but more like aspects of a workplace or a type of job that each tendency may appreciate or like super not appreciate. So I'm going to dive in. She starts out with upholder. For each of the tendencies, she has sort of a catchphrase. So for upholders, it is discipline is my freedom. And so here are some characteristics of upholders. They readily meet internal and external expectations. They are self-directed so they can meet deadlines, work on projects, and take initiative without much supervision. They enjoy routine and may have trouble adjusting to a break in routine or sudden scheduling changes. They hate to make mistakes. And because of that, they may become very angry or defensive at the suggestion that they have made a mistake and they put a high value on follow through. Some strengths that are associated with upholders include uh, being a self-starter, being self-motivated, conscientious, reliable, eager to understand and meet expectations. And then a few of the weaknesses that she lists as possible with upholders are being defensive and rigid, uh, might struggle when plans or schedules change, impatient when others need reminders, deadlines, or supervision, and may become anxious about obeying rules that don't even exist. The next tendency that she goes over is questioner. And the catchphrase for questioner is, I'll comply if you convince me why. Here are some characteristics of questioners. They question all expectations and meet them only if they believe they're justified, with the result that they may meet only inner expectations. I like how she puts it. It's sort of like if somebody puts a, an outer expectation on a questioner, they will an analyze it. And then if that outer expectation makes sense, then they sort of adopt it as an inner expectation. And then that is what they will readily meet. Questioners put a high value on reason, research, and information. 
They follow their own judgment, sometimes even when it flies in the face of experts who, as she puts it, allegedly know more. They persistently ask questions which may make them seem uncooperative or defiant, and they hate anything arbitrary. Rules like five garments to a fitting room. In my last episode, when I was talking about New Year's resolutions, questioners have a tendency to find January 1st just an arbitrary date, not a date that you would plan making goals around or uh, wait for to make goals. Some strengths that Gretchen identifies with questioners is that they are often data-driven. They're interested in creating systems that are efficient and effective. They're comfortable bucking the system if it's warranted, and they're very inner-directed. And then some potential weaknesses that she identifies are uh, can suffer analysis paralysis. So that's when the need for more information can make it so that a questioner really delays making a decision. They may refuse to observe expectations that other f- others find fair or at least non-optional. For example, traffic regulations. So watch out for them on the road. And then uh, they may resist others' questions. So even though they ask a lot of questions, Uh, If somebody's asking them a lot of questions, that might be something that they will really resist. Next up are obligers, and their catchphrase is, you can count on me, and I'm counting on you to count on me, which that'll make sense here in a second. Here are some characteristics uh, associated with obligers. They readily meet outer expectations, but struggle to meet inner expectations. They put a high value on meeting commitments to others. They succeed when given accountability. They must have systems of external accountability in order to meet their inner expectations. They may be exploited by people who take advantage of them. And because of that, they may feel resentful or burned out, in which case they may need others to alleviate expectations or they may rebel. So this external accountability is really critical with obligers. So that catchphrase, I'm counting on you to count on me, is like, I'll be your rock. I'm going to make sure stuff gets done. They are considered like the the foundation of a workplace or a group because they will, they'll just be reliable and make sure that things get accomplished that others need them to do. But then they need those others to be really cognizant of expectations that they're piling and piling and piling on them, to be aware of that and not take advantage, and then also to help them by providing external accountability so that they can meet their own inner expectations. Uh, Some likely strengths that Gretsch identifies for obligers is that they can be a, a, a good boss, a responsive leader, and a team player. They are responsible. They are willing to go the extra mile. Um, and then some possible weaknesses is that they may be susceptible to overwork and burnout, and they may become resentful and have trouble saying no or imposing limits. I'm so curious if you are like hearing yourself in any of these yet. The The fourth tendency is a rebel. And the catchphrase for rebels is you can't make me and neither can I. Some characteristics that she identifies for rebels is that they resist both outer and inner expectations. They put a high value on freedom, choice, identity, and self-expression. If someone asks or tells them to do something, they're likely to resist. But they also have trouble telling themselves what to do, even when it's something that they want to do. And then even if they're resisting outer expectations, they may choose to act 
out of love or a sense of mission or belief in a cause. They meet a challenge in their own way and in their own time, and they do not respond well to supervision, advice, or directions. Some strengths that she associates with rebels is that they are likely to be independent-minded, able to think outside the box, willing to go their own way, buck social conventions, and often in touch with their authentic desires. And then some potential weaknesses is that they might be uncooperative or considered inconsiderate. They may have trouble accomplishing tasks that need to be done consistently, those kind of tedious things. Um, they may act as though ordinary rules don't apply to them. They might be restless and might find it difficult to settle down in a job. I know that was super brief, but if this interests you, like I was saying, you can learn so much more about each tendency. And I'm curious, though, if you, like I mentioned several times as I was reading it, I'm so curious if you're listening to that and thinking, oh, that could be me. And if you like are starting to sort of see yourself within any of those categories, the nice thing is that if you want more information, and if you're someone who enjoys taking quizzes as I am, you can take the four tendency quiz to help you figure all of that out. It is available at quiz.gretchenrubin.com. I'll post a link to that in the episode description. The quiz is a great place to start thinking about this, but I will say If the idea of your tendency really interests you, I do suggest reading or listening to the book. Because the thing is that I tested wrong when I took the quiz. I I don't know if I took the questions too literally, or I think what probably happened is that I only saw them through the lens of a certain situation in life or something like that, and then I got stuck there. So I tested originally as a questioner, and then it wasn't until I started reading the book that I realized, oh, beyond a shadow of a doubt whatsoever. I am most definitely an upholder. Um, I do have some questioner tendencies and Gretchen has this framework that within the four tendencies, you can tip to a certain other tendency. So for example, I am an upholder that tips questioner. And if you look at the diagram that I'll share, that will make a little bit more sense because you see how some of them overlap. And she explains all those nuances within the book as well. So here are a few things that Gretchen said that helped me reach the conclusion that I am an upholder. Oh, 100% for sure. Okay. So one funny thing too, is that Gretchen talked about when she was studying for the bar exam. She's like, I had no trouble sticking to the study program schedule without any kind of oversight except my own. And I was like, that is on the nose for me. I had like literally the exact same experience with that. So that kind of caught my attention. And then this is a direct quote, meeting inner and outer expectations don't make upholders feel trapped. It makes them feel creative and free because they can execute any plan they want. Oh my gosh. I was like, yes, so much. I have said so many times that creating a structure is freeing because you know that you'll meet your main goals and you don't have to think about them. And then you have freedom because in the in-between places of the structure, you can breathe and be flexible. And so according to Gretchen, who is also an upholder, people in other tendencies think that sounds ridiculous, like the literal opposite of freedom to them. And maybe you're thinking that right now, but I'm like, no, this makes sense to me. Oh, this this made me laugh. Upholders can sometimes seem like a killjoy or inflexible. They can get upset when things change suddenly. They can't break the rules sometimes, even when they want to. These are direct quotes. The whole not being able to break a rule thing 
Yeah, like that's the part when she's talking about that that really made me realize that I was an upholder. Here's an example. I will always walk on the sidewalk rather than cut across the grass. It's not a conscious decision. It just comes out of me so naturally. Like if I'm going to cut across the grass, I have to like stop and very consciously make the decision to to do that. And so then when other people just freely cross in the crossing the grass willy-nilly as they want. I'm like, but how do you do that? The sidewalks are there for a reason, people. Anyway, um, so that's a, that's a pretty upholder thing to say. Okay, this also stood out to me. Another thing about upholders and rules is that they'll meet the rules until those rules, as she puts it, conflict with their inner sense of judgment. So when upholders see a rule as stupid or unjust, they can reject that rule, maybe even change them. And I can relate to that so much. By the way, so Gretchen uses Hermione Granger from Harry Potter to illustrate upholders. And you guys, this is the second personality framework I have learned about in the past six months that puts me in the same category as Hermione. And um, I mean, I know who that is. I've never read the books. I have not seen all of the movies. And so I'm like, maybe I should because maybe this is someone who I could really relate to. Although I think that Leslie Nope is probably an upholder. Just saying. And then, okay, the last thing I'll say about upholders that I related to, oof, so much. Upholders hate making mistakes and they might freaking freak out when they do make mistakes. They might beat themselves up about the smallest things that other people do not find that appalling or even much of a problem at all. Uh, They might get defensive at the implication they've done something wrong. Ah, what am I saying? I don't relate to this at all. Just kidding. It's my all day, every day. I feel like I only pointed out the rougher parts about being an upholder. There's good stuff too. And actually the good parts about being an upholder, that is what has made such an impact in my life. Uh, Made an impact for helping me make my impact. So I, as I got to know about this and I leaned more into my tendency, I realized a few things. Well, ways that it had affected me. Okay, first, I have felt empowered to create changes and build habits in my life. I realize, I have realized that if I'm struggling with something, I'll think to myself, I'm an upholder. If I really want to create this new habit, then I, I know the strategies. I know the best way that I can go about it and I can do it. That's, that's been really freeing and empowering and really changed the way that I think about myself. One of my good friends who I'm trying to corral into doing an interview, I uh, recently converted her to the four tendencies and she's an obliger and is starting to experience the same thing. Like, okay, I'm an obliger. So what do I need to do? What kinds of outer expectate or outer accountability can I capitalize on to help myself meet my inner expectations. And it's really like she too. Within a few weeks, she's starting to see a big change in her life. You guys, I'm telling you, it's for real. I know for me, so I started listening at the end of December. Within a few weeks, just the strategies that I have learned have helped me create so many new habits that I had been wanting to do for a long time. Some are big, some are small, but they have this compound effect. They build on each other. So my house looks different. My nights look different. My mornings look different. My weekends look different. And again, within the structure that I've built for myself, I find freedom in the in-between spaces, like I was saying, upholderingly. So then creating these new habits, this is the second thing I realized, that creating the new habits helped me add more time back into my life, which is something that we've already talked about on this podcast a lot. One thing that I have really adopted is that uh, this thing called the one-minute rule that Gretch, 
That's what our sister, Elizabeth Kraft, calls her on their podcast. And now I call Gretch Gretch. So the one minute rule says that if you see a task that needs to get done and it'll take less than one minute to do, then do it right now. And so, again, I heard this. I didn't mean to adopt it, but my inner upholder adopted it so hard. Um, and the most consistent example, this might seem so trivial, but it has not been trivial to me, is the dishwasher, the freaking dishwasher. So whenever I'm done with a dish, I immediately put it into the dishwasher because it takes less than a minute. And so then that led to a related practice of where if the dishes are clean in the dishwasher, I unload them right then and there. And so the mental trick that I have employed is I don't have to put all the dishes away. I just unload them onto the little drying pad on my counter next to the dishwasher. And then unloading the dishwasher only takes about a minute. And I'm like, it's just psychological, right? I know that putting all of it away wouldn't take that much longer, but I'm like, if it is only going to take a minute to unload and I don't have to spend all the time doing this next part right now, then the dishwasher is empty and I can put my dish in there right away. And then when, I don't mean, it's a, it's much more pleasant to have like clean dishes stacked neatly on my counter than having dirty dishes laying around. And so then, you know, if I don't have time right then, then maybe later that day, it takes about another minute to put all of those dishes away. And it's like, it feels like a task that would sometimes ridiculously seem daunting now is so natural to me. And it feels like it is saving me so much time. I'm never having to clean up my kitchen anymore because it's already done like all the time. And like that has just created more time in my day. And then also just like freed up some mental space, adopting this kind of habit as an upholder, uh, feeling empowered that I could do it as an upholder has really helped me a lot. So that's me. I know I've talked, I've been trying to give examples of myself throughout this, and I'm going to try and get some other people to come on and talk about how this kind of thing has impacted them. But I, I was thinking through it and I thought of three different ways that knowing your tendency could really help you make your impact. So first of all, I think that knowing your tendency could help you combat the kinds of insecurities that make an appearance in all of us when we're really trying to do something. So you know the areas you excel in and the ones that you struggle in. And I think that a lot of self-blame comes with that for people in any tendency. So I know that a couple of my obliger friends have been kicking themselves and, you know, wondering, like, why can't, why can they kick all kinds of ass all day every day at work or as a mom or at church or with whatever groups that they're in. But when it comes to their own goals, they can't figure out why they can't just keep them up, create a habit and stick to it, meet their own goals. And so then, I mean, they talk to me, they get down on themselves. They call themselves lazy, which is a lie because they work super hard to meet others' expectations. They just struggle with their own. So finding out that you're an obliger or a questioner or a rebel or an upholder could do away, I think, with a lot of the negative self-talk and help you realize that you have a tendency that you can totally strategize around. Okay, number two, knowing your tendency can save you 
from wasting time with strategies that probably won't work for you, but other people are like, they I swear by this strategy, but it's just not made, made for you. And then also the flip side is true. You can invest time in strategies that are more likely to work for you. And Gretchen outlines a whole bunch of those strategies for building habits and productivity and identifies which ones tend to work better for each tendency in her book, Better Than Before, which we'll go into in a few weeks. Or you know what? You could just get the book and beat me to the punch. I would wholly support you in that pursuit. And third and finally, knowing your tendency and really capitalizing on those strategies that are tailor-made for you could help you work more efficiently and create habits that in turn create more space and time in your life. That was a very Doctor Who sounding kind of thing to say, but that ultimately can lead to you making your impact more easily, like it all builds on each other. All these things that you have in your heart to do, knowing and embracing your tendency can actually get you there faster. I will say, I can just only speak from my own experience, but that is definitely what happened for me. So if we were sitting across from each other having a conversation right now, I'll tell you, because this is what's happened in the past, I would have the four tendencies quiz pulled up on my phone and we would, I would have you take it right here, right now. (laughs) I would just be like, here, do it. Because I did that to my mom, to people at Dragonfly, to my friends. And then, of course, I would have all kinds of questions for you about all of this and what your thoughts are. But since we're not sitting across from each other, I narrowed it all down to just one or two questions for you. But before I ask that, it is time for a brand new regular feature called I Tried a Thing. In this aptly named segment, I'm going to share with you a thing that I have tried and let you know how it boosted my efficiency and productivity. And today's segment, by the way, is not sponsored, just FYI. I'm just gonna tell you about a thing that I tried that has really helped me. So for the first ever segment of I Tried a Thing, I'm going to tell you about Instacart. Instacart is a grocery delivery service. I have used Walmart and Target's drive-up services for groceries or other things for about a year now. But then what really uh, catapulted me into trying this was last February, someone rammed into my car, rendering it undrivable. I was fine. Just a little bit, you know, sore. A few chiropractic visits to help me get right. Um, But I was left for that weekend. It happened on a Friday night. And I was left with no transportation for the whole weekend because I couldn't pick up the complimentary rental until the next Monday. And I was literally down to like rice and applesauce at my house. I'm not exaggerating. And I had planned to do a big grocery trip and cook a lot that weekend. It couldn't go anywhere. So I bit the bullet and I had my groceries delivered and it was awesome. And so then that's February. So I think about a month later, I got a discount code for a year of Instacart service where I don't have to pay a delivery fee every time they bring me something. And I decided to give it a go. So through this, I can get groceries delivered from Sprouts, uh, also a local Oklahoma grocery chain called Homeland and Sam's Club. And let me tell you, it paid for itself so quickly like between paying the fee for the year subscription versus paying the fee for each individual grocery delivery. And it has saved me so much time. Instacart tells me that I've saved 22 hours of shopping. And I'm like, that's probably about right. I mean, just it takes me about 15 minutes to drive there from my house. So that's at least 30 minutes round trip plus the time spent there. So what I love is that I can keep working or I can keep doing chores. Or if I've had a super long day, I can just chill 
I can just relax in the time that it would take me to go grocery shopping. For those of you, I'm thinking like those of you who live someplace where grocery shopping would take way longer and be much more of an ordeal than in Oklahoma City, especially if you're living somewhere where it's super inconvenient to have a car. I feel like this would be good for you. I suggest you check out something like this. It doesn't have to be Instacart. I think Walmart offers delivery service. I think Target does now through an app called Shipped. Maybe use something like TaskRabbit. It's just something to think about if you think this could be helpful for you. As I was writing this, oh, I couldn't help but feel, assuming that I'm using this word correctly, that maybe it makes me sound bougie. I mean, I still do go to the store sometimes to get groceries, but I felt like some part of me felt like I had to apologize for it. And I'm like, no, come on. Like I'm telling people all the time, it's important to value our own time and invest in our own time in the ways that matter to each of us. And so I got to practice what I preach. This has been a good investment in my time. And then also, you know, I'm not just seeing something and grabbing it and shoving it into my cart. I'm making a very specific decision online. And not only does it save me time, it's saving me money as well. So Instacart has been reliable. It paid for itself quickly. It's definitely boosted my efficiency and productivity, which enables me to make an impact. So I tried a thing and it worked out well. So now to wrap it all up, here is the making your impact question of the ep, the Q of the E. Have you discovered which of the four tendencies you are, either by reading the book or taking the quiz? And do you think it accurately reflects how you respond to expectations. You can leave your answer to this question in the post for this episode, episode 10, on the podcast Instagram at Making Your Impact. I would love to hear from you. I love conversations about the four tendencies, so I would definitely like to hear your thoughts on it. As always, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, all the platforms, by searching for Melissa Ike. That's E-I-C-K. On the next episode, I'll be talking with my good pal, who I mentioned earlier in the episode, Shayla Raquel, who is just motivating as all get out. We'll talk about the many ways that she makes an impact in her life. So until then, remember to subscribe to this podcast to get inspired and that the world needs you to make your impact.